0: The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor, and you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast, however you are listening and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program at you can always follow the show. On Twitter, it is at all Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alfred. Well, what did you expect? I mean, what did you expect, Falcon fans? We find out that Leffler is sick and Matt McDonald doesn't start, and we head down to an SEC school. What did you expect? We expected exactly what we got on Saturday afternoon in Starksville, where we lost to the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, and we're now one in three. We have hit the quarter pole of this season. We'll reflect on this non-conference schedule before we dive into the regular season tonight on all Andy Alford. Ohio State routed Wisconsin. Michigan takes down the Terps. And Toledo loses to San Diego State. And Notre Dame gets a good win against North Carolina. Oh, the Lions. The Lions. The Lions. Ah! Get rid of the Ford family. I have said it so many times. Get rid of the Ford family. We'll talk about that game as well as the Browns getting a huge win on Thursday night as well as the rest of week three in the National Football League. But some good news out of Cleveland as the Guardians are your 2022 Central Division champions. Baseball is finally turning the page and ending the regular season. While the preseason in the National Hockey League is underway. And Johnny Hockey and the Columbus Blue Jackets are on the ice. The U.S. wins the President's Cup. The LPGA back into the swing of things. And no show this Friday. I'll tell you why. Tonight, on All Andy Alfred, right here on the Anchor Network. Let's get this party rolling, folks, and let's roll along. Guess who's back?
1: Oh, and the Alfred. Yes, and
0: a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span I'm going to get shut out. Domino! Hit
2: to a home run. Go, Jack. way
0: back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. It's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, and that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Leaker, Stitcher, however you are listening. Wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me your time and your effort to listen to what is happening in the sports world as well as what is happening in my everyday life. You can't always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. As well as Facebook.com slash all Andy Elford and welcome to the show tonight on this the 27th day of September 2022. Lots to get into tonight right here on all Andy Elford. It is truly a pleasure to be back on the air with you guys tonight. Uh, We'll do some housekeeping here in just a few minutes uh, but a lot to get into. Of course we're going to recap the Guardians winning the American League Central. We're going to talk about the first season the first two preseason games for the Blue Jackets. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Presidents' Cup, as well, and as well as the LPGA event that took place this past weekend. As they will get ready for their big tournament in Arkansas this upcoming weekend. Also, you will hear my rant tonight on the Detroit Lions. Oh my God, a, a Sunday that I got off to to be real, to relax, and I finally watched the Lions. From start to finish, and this is what I get. I, 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 I just, I just don't understand. I just completely don't understand how bad this team is. I mean, it, it I, I just don't understand. We'll, we'll get into that tonight on All Andy Alford. So, welcome into this program. Uh first and foremost, let's do some housekeeping. A lot of you were asking where we were at on Friday. We had some equipment issues as well as our Facebook live. We were we were planning on doing a show. Uh, I'll just I'll just be totally blatantly honest with you guys. We ran out of time. Uh, I was stretched to the limit on a lot of things Friday uh, to get set up for the evening uh, to get ready for for the weekend that was this past weekend as well as getting ready for uh i had a wedding that i was going to be going to on saturday as well as being with my wife and i know i just ran out of time i ran out of time on friday and i apologize to you the listeners and i apologize to my my colleagues at anchor for not giving you what you guys want and that is this show so i do apologize on that front uh We're doing one show this week. This is tonight's show. And you will get the preview for week 5 of college football as well as my predictions for week 4 in the National Football League. We will not be doing a Falcon Friday edition on Friday's Anchor Network as well as on Facebook Live because I will be traveling to Pennsylvania with my wife as we are going to be celebrating her sister's wedding. It's in Greencastle, Pennsylvania. We're looking forward to the festivities and we're looking forward to you know having the family being there uh on the way back we're going to be stopping through a few states so we can cross them off of our state list we'll go through maryland west virginia we're going to end up in columbus on sunday uh i might stop in and stop in and get some things in columbus for the hockey season coming up uh, i did see that the blue line shop is selling a, a scheduled t-shirt i'm looking forward to maybe picking one of those up um so yeah it's going to be a fantastic weekend. so again like I said there will be no show on Friday we will be back on the air on Tuesday to go back to do the Tuesday and Friday show tonight's show is dedicated to two people of course I want to dedicate this show to my wife tonight uh we just celebrated our first year as a married couple on the 25th also I want to shout out to all my Jewish friends out there as Rosh Hashanah is happening Happened on Sunday as well as Yom Kippur will be happening as well as upcoming in a few weeks. So I want to wish all my Jewish friends a happy holiday for you guys as well. Also, this show is also dedicated to those people that have been affected, will be affected with this hurricane. Uh, Of course, you heard that the hurricane is affecting into the Tampa area. Uh, So our thoughts and prayers are with the people of the great state of Florida. As well as our friends and colleagues at the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Rays, and all those that are affected by this hurricane. Our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. Please be safe. If they tell you to get out, get out. This is going to be a bad storm. Category 3, Category 4. I am just telling you, get out when you can. So, Our tribute to those guys as well. Too. So tonight's show is dedicated to them as well as to my beautiful wife. Amanda, I love you. Now, let's get into it and let's start talking some college football. And let's talk about what's happening in Wood County because it is a huge development, absolutely huge development happening out of Falcon country. So let's dive into what happened in Starksville this past weekend as our Bowling Green State University Falcons traveled down to Mississippi State to take on the Bulldogs. And it was without two big key pieces to this whole Falcon team. One of which was head coach Scott Leffler. Uh, if you weren't aware, Scott was put into hospital on uh Monday night into Tuesday. Uh, he had blood clots. They have since then have repaired him. They have fixed those blood clots. He's doing a lot better. He's back in on campus. And, uh, Doing well, so he did not make the trip down to Starksville for the game on Saturday. So that turned into Coach Morris, who was in the press box the entire game calling the plays. So that was a key loss to have your ring, your general on the field for our Bowling Green State University Falcons. The second was Matt McDowell. McDowell was throwing the football last week against. not two weeks ago against Marshall. Was popped hard at the end of the game. Stuck into the game and won. But he's had some problems with his hip pointers throughout the week. He was injured. Uh, Leffler made the call Friday afternoon to tell Morris to not play him. So they gave the ball over. They turned the ball over, folks. To a young kid by the name of Caden Oath. Making his debut as our bowling with our bowling Green State University Falcons. And I, you know, I thought he did very, very well in the situation. I really did. I thought he did pretty well. But we knew that the writing was on the wall for this game after the loss to UCLA. We knew that two we were gonna get two losses out of this thing. I was hoping out of this whole series, we were gonna be two and two going into Mac play. But it wasn't the case. As in the first quarter, it was Cable and Ducking getting off to the early start for Mississippi State from Will Rogers. at 7 nothing, And then Simeon Purse with a 32-yard pass from Will Rogers making it 14 nothing, And then Ben Rayon, a 53-yard field goal with 2 minutes and 59 seconds left to go in the first quarter, making it a 17 to nothing game, putting the Falcons into the hole early on in this game. But then it was a great pass play from... From Caden Oath to Tyron Bowden for a 25-yard pass. I mean, that pass was absolutely on a dime. Beautiful pass and a beautiful catch. Lawler kicks the extra point. It's 17-7. But the Mississippi State then turned on the Jets even more, pounding them out more. Caleb Ducking getting a 24-yard pass from Will Rogers, making it 24-7. And then a 2-yard dump pass to Jaron Calvin from Rogers, making it 31-7 at halftime. In the third quarter, Larry Griffin getting a nine yard pass from Rodgers, making it a 38 7 lead. Bowling Green did capitalize. Caden Oak getting a second touchdown pass of the season from Harold Flynn Jr., his five yard pass, making it 38 14. And Rodgers copying off, finishing off the day with his sixth touchdown pass of the day. As Jaden Wadley getting an eight-yard pass from Rodgers, making it the final score, 45-14, beating our Bowling Green State University Falcons. For Mississippi State, Rodgers was 39 for 50 for 409 yards, six touchdowns. His QBR rating was a 63.8. Johnson four carries for 57 yards. Ducking, seven catches, 96 yards, two TDs. Griffin, six catches, 57 yards, one TD. Uh, Price, three catches, 39 yards, 1 TD. Wally, three catches, 39 yards, 1 TD in the game. Calvin, four catches, 17 yards, 1 TD in the game. For Bowling Green, uh, for Orth, 17 for 28 for 172 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. QBR rating of a 68.8, as Jennings was the leading rusher for the Falcons at six carries for only 28 yards. Patterson, seven carries, 23 yards. Morsi, 5-catch carries, 20 yards as well. Uh, Flynn Jr., 5 catches, 49 yards, 1 TD. Bowden, 2 catches, 30 yards, 1 TD. Bench, 1 catch, 31 yards. In the game, by the way, Kroon, it's 1 catch, 7 yards. Team stats looked like this for Bowling Green. Bowling Green had 13 first downs to Mississippi State's 25. On third down, Bowling Green was 3-for-12. Mississippi State, 4-for-11. Mississippi State was 2-for-2 two two on fourth down, Bowling Green did not attempt a fourth down play. Uh, Bowling Green had 250 total yards of offense, 172 through the air, 78 yards on the ground. For Mississippi State, they had 465 total yards of offense, 420 through the air, 45 yards on the ground. So that shows you that the run defense was there for Bowling Green throughout the game. They attempted 11 times for 45 yards, only averaging only 4 yards a carry. Five penalties for 40 yards for Bowling Green. Three penalties, 30 yards for Mississippi State. One turnover in the game, of fumble that Oath threw. No turnovers for Mississippi State. Bowling Green led in the time of possession at 32 minutes and 48 seconds. Mississippi State, 27 minutes and 12 seconds in total time with the possession of the football. So Bowling Green with the loss now goes to 1-3. Mississippi State goes to 3-1. We now hear from Coach Morrison and how he felt on today's game. Coach, what was it like to
1: have Adams in back after his winter? What your all the ability process? What was it like to back? Well, I think first and foremost for for Jacari and his future, I think that was the most important thing. Um, you know, the opportunity to continue to play a game he loves and, and to come to Bowling Green to do that. We're really happy for him that, that he's going to get that opportunity, and rightfully so. Uh, selfishly, as a football team, you're excited to have him because he's going to help us win. No coach, no Christian, no Matt today. How do you feel like the team handled not having those three big pieces? Obviously. Well, you, you know, I think anytime you, and I, this is what I told the guys on uh, on Monday was you're you're going to lose great players throughout the year. It just happens, right? You're going to have missing parts of your team. Um, you don't replace those guys with a single person. It, everybody has to step their game up a little bit. So, uh, you know, I thought our guys went out there and played hard today. Obviously not the outcome we wanted by any means, uh, but they played hard. And, uh, you know, for, for our standpoint, the way we look at it, we're moving forward and our season starts now. It's our, our MAC conference. We always talk about you play two types of seasons. You have your, I don't want to call it a preseason, but you have your non-conference schedule and then uh, your conference schedule. So that's what we're gearing 100% towards. And what was it like how did Cam handle the nerves in his
2: first
1: time? I thought he did a great job. And, you know, I don't coach Cam, but, uh, you know, I told uh, I told him this morning uh, I knew he was going to play well because I see him in Coach uh, Warner's office every day. And it's how you prepare. And, and uh, you know, I you know, that's that's for other guys to make the decision how he played. But uh, my hat's off to him. I thought he played well. Young Harold step in for It looks
2: like he's the next
1: Well, and I think that's the sign of a good football team, that you're starting to build a good football team, that you have depth. You have guys that, uh, that have had older players show them the way on how we want things to be done. And, uh, you know, I think that's a testament to not, you know, obviously hats off to those guys. They're super talented. And they work their butts off. But I think you're seeing signs of the program, where in in maybe years past you you had a major drop off in talent. Well, no, uh, I, I haven't looked to completely at the stats in terms of uh, you know sacks and everything, and and that's never. I don't even think that's a really good representation of how those guys played. I do know this: watching their defense, they're really aggressive, and I saw a lot of, <laughs> quite frankly, a lot of blitzing. So. Uh, you know, I think they, they continue to do to do a good job. I think the bar we're going to continue to raise the bar as we get. That's a that's a different group than what we've had here, and uh, you know, particularly if there's any position in the in the game of football where guys need to play well and have continuity and a chemistry between them, it's that unit. So, uh, you know, I think over the last couple of weeks, statistically, uh, sacks wise, I think they've done a good job. I think they're just going. It's going to be a part of our offense that just continues to get better and better and better. Well, they spread you out and they've got really good players uh, you know they, they force you to make some decisions and uh, you know you can't protect everybody on our field and and uh, you know we try to do some different things in terms of getting them different looks and uh, you know they just space you out and they're talented players and so you get talented players out in space they're hard to tackle um, and you know there's they're going to find windows it's a good offense it's been there for a long time. Coach leach has had a lot of success and uh, there's a reason for it
2: that touchdown cam
1: to, uh, Tyrone there? How big of a was that for you guys? I, You know, I think super big, obviously, you know, and I don't think that's the right word to use for it. Uh, it it's impressive um, for a lot of different reasons. You have Cam getting a touchdown throw. You have guys, uh, regardless of how the game started, uh, we obviously had expectations that we were going to go in there and play a lot better. We were going to have better field position. Uh, we weren't going to give up explosive plays on defense. The fact that they were able to drive the ball from where they drove the ball to uh, is a super uh, testament about their will and their character. And, you know, two weeks ago, we fall behind 14 points, and it looks like everything's falling apart. Somebody makes a play. Those are really good things that we can continue to build on. Another hot day today. obviously uh, a different kind of heat. I mean, because, you know, how did you feel about team hydration-wise? was something called for Absolutely. We made a huge emphasis uh, after uh, the UCLA game. Uh, from a hydration standpoint, and that that was the hottest I've ever been a part of—the uh, UCLA game. I, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm in the press box, so I I don't quite get it the same way. So it's probably unfair for me to talk about. But uh, collectively, when I say just the players, in the, collectively, our our trainers, our doctors, our support staff, everybody played a role. Uh, and I don't I don't know if if we had many or any issues. Uh, but we're certainly uh, uh better than what we were before so that's a good positive thing as well.
0: So you just heard coach Morrison's recap of the game, Bowling Green falls to 1 and 3 with the loss to Mississippi State. They now get ready for a big the start of the MAC schedule with a big game against Akron this upcoming Saturday. We'll preview that here in just a few minutes, but let's also take a look around the rest of the college fo- football spectrum. My apologies. And let's take a look at the big 10. And let's talk about the Ohio State University as the Buckeyes getting a huge routing win over Wisconsin at 52-21. to This game was pretty much over at halftime. Bowling Ohio State was up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. So they had the game well in hand as Ohio State continues their domination as they beat up on the Badgers 52-21 in the game as it was... CJ Stroud, 17 for 27 for 281 total yards, five TDs, one interception, QBR rating of a 98.7. As Travion Henderson had 21 carries for 121 yards, no TDs. Williams, 11 carries, 101 yards, two TDs in the game for him. In Jigba, in Jigba, six, uh, excuse me, Eggbra, six catches, 118 yards, two TDs. Flenning, Four catches, 67 yards, one TD. Stover, four catches, 51 yards, two TDs in the game for Ohio State. For Wisconsin, it was Mets. He went 11 for 20 for 94 yards, one TD, one interception. QBR rating of 15.4. Allen was the leading rusher at 23 carries for 165 yards, one TD. Metz, five carries, 15 yards, one TD as well. Uh... On the receiving court for Wisconsin, it was Bell with four carries for 55, four catches for 55 yards, longest of 26 yards in total. The overall team stat looks like this Ohio State had 28 first downs, so Wisconsin's 11. Wisconsin was 6 for 13 on third down. Ohio State was 7 for 11. Ohio State perfect 1 for 1 on fourth down. Wisconsin 0 for 1. Ohio State had 539 total yards of offense, 281 through the air, 258 on the ground. For Wisconsin, they had 296 total yards of offense, 104 through the air, 192 on the ground. Three penalties for 27 yards. Uh, For Wisconsin, five penalties, 57 yards. Both teams turned the football over one time apiece, throwing interceptions, but Ohio State led in the time of possession, at 33 minutes and 2 seconds, to Wisconsin's 26 minutes and 58 seconds. So Ohio State now proves to 4-0, continuing their route. Wisconsin goes to 2-2. For Michigan, they played Maryland, and Maryland gave them a little bit of a run, but it was Blake Crum being the workhorse for Michigan in this game. He was the leading guy for this game. 33-yard touchdown run in the third, second quarter, making it a 17-13 game at halftime. But then he stepped up to the plate in the fourth quarter, getting the end, up, ending up the game, basically game-winning uh, touchdown, 47-yard run with three minutes and 31 seconds to go to propel Michigan to the big win, 34-27 over Maryland. In this box score, it looks like this: Televanola, the brother of Tua was twenty for thirty for two hundred and seven yards, one TD, two interceptions, his QBR rating of an eighty one point three. Wow, unbelievable. Uh Rig- Higby was the running leading runner. He had 16 carries for 48 yards. Uh Lenton, Jute, the second Littleton the, the second eight carries for 39 yards one TD in the game for him. Diaz was the leading uh Receiver at three catches for 60 yards. Uh, Dupree, three catches, 49 yards, one TD. Felton, two catches, eight yards, one TD for Maryland. For Michigan, it was uh, uh, McCarthy, 18 for 26 for 220 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating of a 72.7. Crom had 30 carries for 243 yards, two TDs. His longest was 47 yards. He averaged 8.1 yards a carry schoolmaker seven catches 72 yards one td it was also wilson with two catches 25 yards one td in the game the overall box score looks like this team stat michigan had 22 first downs to maryland's 23 maryland was six for 14 on third down michigan one five for 12 michigan one for one on fourth down maryland was a perfect three for three on fourth down michigan had 463 total yards of offense to maryland's 397 Passing-wise, for Maryland, was two of that 397, was 269 through the air, 128 yards on the ground. For Michigan, it was 220 yards on the air, 243 on the ground, for a total of 463 total yards of offense. Both teams only had one penalty apiece. Maryland, one penalty for five yards. Michigan, one penalty for 15 yards. But Maryland turned the football over three times with two interceptions and one fumble. Michigan fumbled the football only one time, but they let in time of possession at 31 minutes and 53 seconds. Maryland, 28 minutes and 7 seconds time of possession. Michigan now approves to 4-0. Maryland fall with the loss now goes to 3-1. So, Michigan getting a big win there. Let's take a look also at another school, of course. Let's talk about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish getting a big win this past week, as they traveled into Chapel Hill to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they, as Drew Payne threw for three touchdown passes, has finally, in my opinion, I think Notre Dame has finally found the rhythm. I think they've finally found the rhythm, and they found a way to finally win some football games. A big win; they get to back to five hundred. They're now f- with a big 45 to 32 win over the North Carolina Tar Heels in the game. For Notre Dame it was Payne with 20 was 24 for 34 for 289 total yards, three TDs, no interceptions, a QBR rating of an 86.1 SSD with 17 catches for 134 yards, two TDs on the ground. Tari five, 15 carries for 80 yards, one TD. Mayer, 7 catches, seven, 88 yards, 1 TD. Styles 5 catches, 69 yards, 1 TD. Diggs, 3 catches, 65 yards, 1 TD in the game for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It was Maine on the quarterback for the North Carolina Tar Heels. He was 17 for 32 for 301 total yards with 5 TDs in the game. Keep that in mind, 5 TDs in the game. His QBR rating of at eighty-seven point six. Tells you about that five TDs in the game. That's passing wise. He also led in rushing, thirteen carries for thirty-seven yards. Hampton, the other rusher, ten carries for twenty-eight yards. Green, three catches, one hundred and fifty yards, two TDs. Downs, five catches, thirty-two yards, two TDs. Hampton, four one catch. Four yards, one TD in the game. The overall team stats look like this. Notre Dame had 35 first downs to North Carolina's 18. Notre Dame 8 for 14 on third down. North Carolina 6 for 14 in third down. You also had a fourth down. Notre Dame was 0 for 1. North Carolina was 2 for 2. Total yards, 576 total yards of offense for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. North Carolina had 368 total yards of offense. Of the 578 for Notre Dame, 289 through the air, 287 on the ground. For North Carolina, the 368 total yards of offense, 301 through the air, 67 yards on the ground. Five penalties for 46 yards for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Nine penalties, 64 yards for North Carolina. Both teams lost the fumble and lost the turnover race, both tied, but Notre Dame led in time of possession at 38 minutes at 13 seconds, North Carolina at 21 minutes and 47 seconds. Notre Dame two and two, North Carolina with the, gets their loss. They're now three and one overall. So there are your winners. Let's take a look at the losers from this past weekend, and of course, the one the one loss was to the University of Toledo, the Rockets. As Jordan Brand ran for 115 yards and two TDs, including the game-winning touchdown for San Diego State with less than a minute to play in the game. As Toledo travels across the country and loses 17-14. to Daquan Finn having a good game for him after the breakout performance against Ohio State. He was 21 for 34 for 240 yards total offense. One TD, he threw three interceptions in this game. QBR rating of 59.6. Uh, Stewart was 14 carries for 54 yards. Finn ran the football 11 times for 44 yards. One TD in the game. And the receiving core, it was uh, Blackham C, eight catches for 122 yards. Maddox, six catches, 43 yards. Uh, Turner, three catches, 11 yards. One TD for San Diego State. It was Bumsmeyer, thirteen for twenty-four for only sixty-five yards passing. He was he had no touchdowns and one interception. QBR rating of a twenty-nine point five. The leading was Bird. The San Diego State mm, totally meant for running. Sixteen carries for one hundred and fifteen yards, two TDs in the game. The quarterback Burnsmeier eight carries 44 yards in total receiving core was Shaw with two catches for 21 yards Redmond four catches 19 yards as well the overall team stats look like this Toledo had 24 first downs to San Diego 24 first downs to San Diego State's 14 uh San Diego State one for 12 on third down Toledo was six for 13 on third down as well both teams did not convert on fourth down Toledo had 376 total yards of offense 254 through the air 122 on the ground San Diego State had 282 total yards of offense 65 yards in the air 217 total yards rushing San Diego State had 11 penalties for 103 yards Toledo six penalties 53 yards but the key was this one was the turnover rate as Toledo turned the football over four times with three interceptions from Daquan Finn in a fumble, four turnovers to one interception thrown by San Diego State. Toledo led in time of possession, 31 minutes to 47 seconds. San Diego State, 28 minutes and 13 seconds in time of possession. Toledo now 2-2. Two and two. San Diego State now 2-2 two and two as well. So there is the recap for you guys right here. And now let's take a look at the rest of college football into the top 25 it's time to take a look at the rest of the top 25 in college football for week four right here on all indy alfred and we begin with the number one ranked georgia bulldogs taking on the kent state golden flashes and the georgia bulldogs giving kent state a little bit of hope but in the end it was the bulldogs getting a 39 22 win over the golden flashes the game of the day, in my opinion, was fifth-ranked Clemson taking on Wake Forest. Clemson finding a way to stop the Wake Forest and Dave Clawson offense in the second period overtime by beating Wake Forest in over two overtimes, 51 to 45. You had 17th-ranked Baylor take on Iowa State, and the Baylor Bears getting the big win, 31-24, over the Cyclones. 24th-ranked Pitt welcomed in Rhode Island University, and Pitt just put the Panther down on Rhode Island with a 45-24 win over Rhode Island. The game of the day at one of the big game day big game day events, of course, in Rocky Top, as it was the 11th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers welcoming in the 20th-ranked Florida Gators. I had Tennessee in this game, and they proved me right. Tennessee, a huge win over the Florida Gators, 38-33 in Rocky Top, getting a big win. The upset of the day, 22nd ranked Texas won into Texas Tech. And the Red Raiders getting a big win with a field goal in overtime to beat the Texas Longhorns, 37-34. An upset, of course, it was the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, led by Sonny Wrinkler. Nope, no, it wasn't led by Sonny Wrinkler. As Middle Tennessee State... Getting a big 45-31 win over 25th-ranked Miami. The U Falls at home. 15th-ranked Oregon goes into Wazoo and gets a big 44-41 win over the Washington Cougars. 16th-ranked Ole Miss welcomed in Tulsa and Ole Miss putting the shellacking on the Hurricanes by a score of 35-27. The Bacon Bits of Arkansas. Took on the 23rd-ranked Texas A&M Aggies, and the Aggies getting the slight win over the Texas over the Arkansas Razorbacks, 23-21. Alabama, the Crimson Tide, real tide, Bama, absolutely destroyed Vanderbilt by a score of 55-3. 12th-ranked NC State getting a big 41-10 win over UConn. Kansas State pulling the upset, beating 6th-ranked. Oklahoma at Oklahoma by a score of 41-34. Seventh-ranked USC getting a big 17-14 win over the Beavers of Oregon State. BYU, 19th-ranked of the country, getting a 38-24 win over Wyoming. 13th-ranked Utah being a shellacking on the Les Herm Edwards, Arizona State Sun Devils, 34-13. And the 18th-ranked Washington Huskies took down the Stanford Cardinals by a score of 40. To twenty-two in the Big Ten, the games this past weekend in Week Four. It was on Thursday. Illinois getting a big thirty-one to nothing win over Chattanooga. Of course, Maryland falling to Michigan thirty-four to twenty-seven. Penn State, fourteenth ranked in the country, beats up on the Chippewas of Central Michigan thirty-three to fourteen. Minnesota goes into East Lansing and beats the Michigan Michigan State Spartans thirty four to seven row the boat feels for real the Hoosiers of Indiana went into Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats and the Bearcats getting a big 45 to 24 win in that affair Iowa 27 to 10 win over Rutgers the big upset of course in the Big Ten was that the Mack School of Miami Ohio the Redhawks getting a big 17-14 win over Northwestern a pick at the end of the game sealed it for the Redhawks and Purdue a big twenty-eight to twenty-six win over Florida Atlantic University. And those are the big ten scores. Of course, and the rest of the Mid American Conference looks like this, besides Bowling Green falling to Mississippi State by the score of forty-five to fourteen. Then Toledo falling to San Diego State seventy to fourteen. Fordham loses to Ohio by a score of fifty-nine to fifty-two. Buffalo puts a fifty burger on Eastern Michigan by a score of fifty to thirty-one. It was Liberty beating up on Akron 21-12. Georgia Southern a 34-23 win over Ball State. And eighth-ranked Kentucky getting a huge win over the Northern Illinois Huskies 31-23. San Diego, San Jose State a winner 34-6 over the Western Michigan Broncos. So that is the recap from the rest of the top 25. The standings look like this in the top 25 going into this week. Number one ranked in the country right now is still the Georgia Bulldogs at 4-0, Alabama at 2, Ohio State's at 3, Michigan at 4, Clemson is at 5, USC is 6, Kentucky is 7, Tennessee moves up three spots to number 8, Oklahoma State is 9, North Carolina State is 10, Penn State 11, Utah is 12, Oregon is 13, Ole Miss 14, Washington fifteenth, Baylor 16. You have Texas A&M at 17, Oklahoma Falls 12 spots to 18, EYU is at, still at 19. Arkansas falls 10 spots to 20th. Minnesota now is ranked at 21st. Wake Forest is now 22nd. Florida State 23rd. Pitt 24th. And Kansas State 25th. Now, with all that in mind, let's take a look at week 5 of the college football spectrum. And we'll take my picks for this week in the college football spectrum since we're not going to have a show on Friday night. So here's the top 25 picks for you. Utah is at BYU, 19th ranked BYU Thursday night, 8 o'clock kick on ESPN. BYU a half point favorite. I will take the Cougars of BYU. On Friday, 15th ranked Washington travels to the Bruins of UCLA. Both teams 4-0. Someone's going to get their first loss. Washington a 3-point favorite in the game. I am going to take the Bruins of UCLA. We'll look at the rest of the slate for Saturday. 7th rank Kentucky travels to Ole Miss, a noon kick on ESPN. Both teams four oh Ole Miss, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I will take Ole Miss in that game. 18th rank, Oklahoma travels to TCU, noon kick on ABC. Oklahoma, six-and-a-half-point favorite. I will take the Boomer Sooner of Oklahoma in that one. 25th rank, Kansas State welcomes in Texas Tech. Both teams three and one. Kansas State, an eight-point favorite. I will take Kansas State in that game oregon state travels to utah two o'clock kick on the pac 12 network utah ten and a half point favorite utah easily 330 kick the game on cbs for the sec on cbs it'll be the second ranked alabama crimson tide Roll Tide, Bama, as they will take on the 20th rank arkansas razorbacks alabama 17 and a half point favorite in this game if arkansas was a lot better in this game i would want to pick arkansas but after their performance against Texas A&M and they're struggling right now, they're fine. They're, they're getting stuck in the mud. I'm gonna take the rate. I'm gonna take the Alabama Crimson Tide pretty easily that one. 3:30 uh, kick on Fox. It will be 16th ranked Baylor battling the ninth ranked Oklahoma State. Baylor two and a half point favorite. I'm taking Oklahoma State in that game. 22nd ranked Wake Forest three and one will take on 23rd ranked. Florida State, 3.30 kick on ABC. I'm going to take Florida State to beat Wake Forest. 17th ranked Texas a, a-, a- M will take Mississippi State. 4 o'clock kick on SEC Network. Mississippi State, a four-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Mississippi State in that game. Number one ranked Georgia will travel to Missouri. 7.30 kick on the SEC Network. Georgia pretty easily. 10th ranked NC State travels to Clemson. 7.30 kick, the game on Saturday night, prime time. Clemson, six and a half point favorite in this one. I'm taking NC State. I think Dabble gets his first loss, and it'll be a home loss. Georgia Tech will take on 24th ranked Pitt, eight o'clock kick on the ACC network. And the big surprise right now, there is talk that Dion Sanders could possibly be the next coach at Georgia Tech. I like to see that. I would like to see that. 8 o'clock kick, I'll take Pitt. They're a 23.5 point favorite, I'll take Pitt. Arizona State travels to USC, 10.30 kick on ESPN. I'm taking USC, it's pretty simple there. And the 11 o'clock game, Stanford, who's 1-2, and two, takes on 13th ranked Oregon. 11 p.m. kick, Oregon 17 point favorite. I will take Oregon in that game. Let's take a look at the Big Ten slate for this week. Fourth-ranked Michigan, noon kick on Fox, will travel to Iowa to take on the Hawkeyes. Michigan, a 10.5-point favorite in this game. I'm taking Michigan. That's pretty simple there. Purdue travels to Minnesota. New kick on ESPN2, Minnesota, 12.5-point favorite. I will take Minnesota in that game. Illinois travels to Wisconsin to battle the Badgers. Wisconsin, a 7-point favorite in this game. I am taking Wisconsin in this game. Uh, Northwestern travels to college station to take on penn state 330 kick on espn penn state 26 a point favorite it's easy it's penn state maryland hosts michigan state 330 kick on fs1 maryland a seven and a half point favorite if mel tucker wants to get back into the swing of things he has to win this game i'm gonna take michigan state to beat maryland in that affair indiana travels out to lincoln to battle the corn huskers of nebraska nebraska 11 and point favorite in this game i am taking the hoosiers over indiana which sets up the 330 kick on big 10 network as the rutgers scarlet knights take on the third ranked ohio state buckeyes ohio state a 40 and a half point favorite it's pretty simple taking ohio state in that affair. Which then sets up this. The Mid-American Conference for you guys. And we'll start with the 2 o'clock kickoff. As UMass travels to Eastern Michigan. To battle the Eagles of Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan a 20 point favorite in this one. I am taking. Eastern Michigan. In the game. Pretty simple. Northern Illinois travels to Ball State. Ball uh, Northern Illinois 3.5 point favorite. I'll take Northern Illinois in that game. Miami, Ohio 3.30 kick. Will travel to Buffalo to battle the. The Bulls, Buffalo, 1.5 point favorite. I think the momentum for Miami of Ohio will continue on. I think Miami of Ohio gets the big win over Buffalo. Ohio, 2-2, two and two, travels to Kent State to battle the Golden Flashes. Kent State, 11.5 point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Kent State in the game. New Hampshire, 3-1, and one, travel to Western Michigan to take on the Broncos. 6 o'clock kickoff for that one. I'm going to take Western Michigan, which sets up the two local games. 3:30 kickoff on the NFL Network. It will be the homecoming for the University of Toledo. Toledo two and two. Central Michigan is their opponent. They are one in three. Toledo a seven and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Toledo in this game. I think that sets very much says it all. Which then sets up this 3:30 kickoff on Saturday. As our Bowling Green State University Falcons head over to Zip Stadium to take on the Akron Zips. BG, a eight and a half point favorite in this game. I'm taking Bowling Green. Bowling Green gets back into the swing of things, goes to two and three, and starts their momentum towards the Mac Championship. So there are the games and the predictions for this upcoming weekend right here on All Andy offer tonight. And by the way. We have it for you right here, of course. We're gonna play for you right now. Our our exclusive audio from the press conference with Coach Leffler, who is going to be on the sidelines this upcoming weekend. You'll hear about what happened with him this past week. You'll hear his thoughts on the new on Travion Hester being a part of the team, and so much more. So here is the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons, right here, as it is time for the. Coach's press conference from this past week.
3: All right, good afternoon. Thank you uh, for coming. Um, We played a uh, very good football team this Saturday. I thought uh, the defensive front and the back end for Mississippi State was excellent. I thought uh, Cam did some good things in a a tough situation. Uh, I felt uh, at times we ran the ball effectively and uh, defensively. Um, they were uh, exceptional on offense. Uh, whenever you watched the tape, you would have thought that there was scheme issues, what have not. Um, the, the wide receivers were phenomenal, and I thought the quarterback was uh, completely on point. And in uh, Mike Leach's offense, anytime you have the ability to run the football um, the way that they they've been running it, it's tough to defend. But uh, I thought the offensive line for uh, Mississippi State was excellent. And uh, special teams wise, we're not happy with uh, um, setting up field position for our offense and defense. We need to improve in that area immensely. But um, the uh, first half of the season is over. We talk about uh, having three seasons in the MAC, the first four games is the non conference. Uh, we came out of it one and three. We wish to be two and two. The whole conference is either one and three and two and two. There's not one person over 500, so that's what makes this conference awesome. Everyone's even right now. It's a uh, we've got a four-game stretch here of regular college football, Saturday college football, and then we've got a four-game stretch of uh, of Maction. So, um, extremely excited uh, to get going. We've got a great opponent in Akron. Um, they, uh, they keep getting better each and every week, similar to us. We've got to go down to, to their stadium and uh, play a very difficult offense and a defense that, uh, that I think is really playing hard and, and improving and playing better each and every week. So um, we got to go down and we got to play it like it's our Super Bowl. Our preparation needs to be elite. Uh, We need to upgrade in everything that we do throughout the week to give ourselves a chance to beat Akron. Any questions? You mentioned obviously it's a new phase in this campaign. How would you assess kind of the first
2: phase, which is the first four non conference games, as it relates to preparing uh, for the match play?
3: Um, I thought um, offensively we did not play well in game one. Uh, Game two, I thought. uh, the second half of uh, the Eastern Kentucky game showed our potential. I thought three quarters of, uh, the game and the Marshall game. I thought that was the most complete game that our team has ever played since I've been here in terms of offense, defense and special teams. Uh, they were Marshall was a very, very good football team. And then we ran into a buzzsaw, um, that, uh, Mississippi state team will be two or three on, uh, on their side. They're, they're excellent. Um, LSU uh, was able to uh, sneak one, I think, and um, um, we're excited about going down and uh, playing our best football these next eight weeks. This is uh, what we've been talking about for the entire year. Um, we need to go compete in the MAC and give ourselves a chance on the
2: East. Scott, I <clears throat> you don't want to be the story, but as much as you're comfortable sharing, Scott, how tough was last week for you? Can you,
3: can you take us a little kind of went up? Yeah, it was... Uh, um, I thought it was acid reflux. I woke up on uh, Sunday morning, early four o'clock in the morning and was throwing up or spitting up blood. And then, um, on Monday or excuse me, yeah, Monday, no Sunday, I uh, tried to go to bed, tried to sleep and, uh, ended up sleeping in my office chair. I couldn't lay down, um, felt awful every sign of a heart attack you could ever imagine. And then uh on Monday continued to feel like uh not very well and then uh couldn't walk up and down the stairs and that's right in there and in there I knew that I was there was something wrong. Um doctor Knopfs came over on um Monday night late and then I was put in the hospital, I had blood clots where they're not supposed to be and um, um had a long week but uh, I was really proud of our staff our players how they handled uh that and uh I don't want to ever miss a game I don't like not being around our team um but I thought they handled it well especially Cam in my opinion being uh, having to start his first game in that type of environment and um you know we got we got a really good staff we got really good players so it's not shocking we got a great support staff it's not shocking that uh they, uh, they did a great job. Were you free to have two nights? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I guess it shows how much this program means to you. I mean, sh- should
3: you be back? This yeah, it's uh, – I just got to be smart. I can't get on airplanes for a while. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is uh, I'm a little tired and all that, but there's no time to be tired right now. And just thoughts of the is that kind of you know, coaching one week? Terrible next week you're awesome and then this happens and it kind of puts things in perspective. I, I don't know is, is there anything about this kind of put things perspective about what's really important in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we get we get so locked into um uh, um our craziness that goes on and you know my hat's off to to uh Coach Candle. He was the first person that texted me. And, you know, rivalries are important, football is is important but at the end of the day it's your health and your family that means everything. No one's going to ever remember how many games you won lost or what have not. And they never do. Heck, I can't even tell you the last three national champions. You, I, I can't. But, uh, you know, it's the um, challenge and the grind every day that we love. Uh, we love the competition but uh, yes, the, to answer your question, reality did set in a little bit. No, it stinks. Never want to do it again. Um, but um, just like I said, they did well. And I, they made the right decision, the doctors. I was I was wiped out at halftime just sitting on my couch. So um, they uh, they made the right decision. I didn't like it, but uh, they made the right choice. You mentioned, Coach, you're not able to fly short-term here. Is there anything else as far
2: as the way that you coach? Obviously, you're very aggressive and active. Your coaching
3: style and sure. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to change. No. no. You'll remain on the
2: field, though? Yeah.
0: Yep. Matt and Christian, the LSV, banked up. Are you expecting them back this week? What's that? Are you expecting Matt and Christian back this week?
3: Absolutely.
2: Glad you're okay. Glad that you kinda of got the news that Jakari's back oh, you been waiting for. What was that like to
3: The best out? Friday you could ever imagine. Um the team left. I started working on Akron and uh took a nap actually in the office for like an hour. Got back up and was just starting Akron again and uh the phone rang and uh you know, we didn't lose faith in uh humanity and uh Um, I don't necessarily like the process whatsoever. I think the process has completely failed. I think it is uh, something that needs to get completely changed in college football. There's so many holes and so many problems and so many inconsistencies with this transfer portal, it's unbelievable. And uh, I don't want to dive into it too much, but it is a issue that beyond Needs fixed. Um, it's not fair. It's not consistent. Um, information is is not consistent uh, being uh, shared from school to school. It's a uh, it's a really big problem that I hope to goodness because people are good, people want to be good, but right now that that system right now is a complete mess to say the least. And uh, Jakari should have been eligible in January. And if we had the information, he would have been eligible in January. So he lost three football games because of a broken, beyond broken system. How
2: does getting a guy like that help
3: with his experience, help with the continuity of the... His- well, we've been waiting for it. You know, we we really think that uh, him at center, Jalen Grant at left guard, Bronson at right guard, Tunde and uh, Cam, and... Uh, um, Jeremiah, left tackle, rotating in with Alex uh, at right. We think we've got um, a much, much sounder, better offensive line than, uh, than what we've had here in the past. And then Cade, obviously, will be great at that subbing in with, with Bronson at the right guard position. So um, it, it uh, makes things a heck of a lot easier, especially losing the back. Losing Terry on is not an easy deal. And uh, so, yeah, having the center is really important. I don't mean to ask one
2: more question about this, but maybe if it's a message to others to listen to your body, is there, could it it have been, I don't know, did you go just in time? Could it have been? Yeah,
3: they they said uh, it was 24 hours away from um, um, not, not a good day. So, I do encourage people to do that. I'm the worst at it. I'm by far the worst at it. I think how this whole thing started was I thought I had a blood clot in my calf uh, the week before the UCLA game. I blew it off. I thought I got kicked. I got in an airplane. I went for a run on Saturday and it was a five mile run and I thought I was going to die every block to be quite honest with you. So it probably went into my heart then. And, uh, but yes, I, um, Need to pay attention. That's for sure. Probably, probably. Th- that's what they assume. Yeah. Lung. Lungs. Yep. Lungs.
2: Can you follow up on Matt? Coach, you said he's going to be good to go against Akron. Could he have gone down in Starshole? Was that a decision to save him for play?
3: No, not at all. Um, I made that decision on uh, Friday night. Uh, the first time he practiced was, uh, Friday morning. That was the first time, uh, I watched him throw on air. I thought he was okay. Um, and, uh, I just really felt that, uh, with both of those hit pointers, the way that they were, um, I don't think he would have lasted very long whatsoever. Um, this was a big physical team. We felt cam gave us the best chance t- to win. And, uh, I didn't want to make that decision. I know Matt wants to play; he's a competitive dude. But uh, the best thing for our team on Saturday was for Cam to play. And uh, you know, sometimes you got to make tough decisions like that. And uh, we did, and it was the it was the right decision. Harold had a pretty big
2: game at tight end. Obviously, he got his first career touchdown the week before he got a rushing touchdown. I've seen his play elevate. Uh, he's just obviously a freshman.
3: Yeah, Harold's going to be a special guy. He's talented, Um, he's smart, he's uh, extremely strong for his age. His hands are strong. Uh, He can set the edge, believe it or not, for a freshman. I don't know how many freshman tight ends I could ever say that can uh, set the edge if you watched him. at least on TV he he looked exactly like he fit in that conference in terms of people were bouncing off him left and right. He's just a strong powerful guy that has uh I don't think he even knows how much talent that he has. I think he can be really special. Look ahead to
2: Akron, I think it's going to be the big key uh, for you
3: guys. Uh, well, we got to do what we've been doing in the Eastern Kentucky and the uh uh marshall game we got to win the turnover battle we got to win the explosion battle um joe moorhead's offense with all the rpos and eye violations you know we got to limit the the explosion plays um and then obviously on offense we've got to make some uh, explosion plays i think we got to be balanced um i think we got to try to keep them uh off balance as much as we can in terms of run pass and uh you know, I, I, I think this will be a, a great competitive game. And just like I said, uh, when we lost to Eastern Kentucky, the emblems on the helmet, all that stuff right now in college football is meaningless. I mean, you got to bring it every single week. There's no such thing as a cupcake game. Um, and you see that throughout college football right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. So... Um, we got to bring our A game for sure. Defensively, I know obviously there's a lot of points
2: given up in Starkville, but obviously the week before against Marshall, defense played lights out. How do they kind of regain their confidence and how do you expect
3: Well, you know, the – it was uh, – um, whenever you watch the tape, we're three inches away from knocking the ball down. The DBs broke when they were supposed to break. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is – uh, God gave uh, those Mississippi State receivers a little bit more talent than our DBs, but our DBs, you know, they're not going to lose confidence. You know Eric Lewis. Eric Lewis is uh, very confident, and and that's why I I love Eric. You know, he really um, gives a presence to that defense and really presents confidence to them, and he'll be out of his mind this week in practice. He'll, uh, He'll do a great job to get ready for this Akron game.
2: You had mentioned obviously you guys take these every season in three different phases. Now that you guys have reached MAC play, is there a new, I guess, vibe or psyche with the team? Now that you guys came in, obviously it's a clean slate. You guys are
3: starting MAC season. Well, just like I said, everyone's the same right now. Um, I think we have four teams that are two and two. We wish we were one of those teams. We let one slip away. Um, we're all one and three. We're all two and two. Um, it's uh every week's gonna be um if you don't bring it every week and if you don't prepare every week like it's the super bowl you'll get your tail kicked and uh so the urgency the way we do business our attitude how we handle ourselves on and off the field everything's gonna matter and that's what we've been promoting to our players is that uh Everything's going to matter, and uh, we don't need to be chasing guys around for weigh-ins and all that other, all the little details and all the little things um, are going to determine wins or losses uh, these next eight weeks.
2: I know I asked this last week. I know Cam in the Marshall game got a few snaps. I think there's some run packages in there. Is he going to be continuing to be kind of is that kind of game plan centric
3: or? Yeah, it's game plan for sure.
2: More
3: questions? Anything else? Talk about
2: the macro, Coach. What do you think about their performance against some
3: powerful teams this past uh, the season? Yeah, I'm um, really happy for uh, Chuck Martin down there at Miami of Ohio beating a Big Ten team. Fitzie's teams are disciplined. They're tough. And uh, to go into Northwestern and beat them, that was really impressive. Um, I thought defensively they played great, and I watched the game, and uh, I'm happy for them. I mean that's a big win, and then uh, I thought Kent State uh, played well against uh, Georgia. Um, so there was some uh, there was some good competition for sure, and um, you know, that's what's going to make this MAC a fun run. Is there some good teams? Uh, it's all mentality. It's all how you prep, and you better bring it each week because anyone could beat anyone. That's what's so cool about this
0: conference and. As you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Leakers, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into our show tonight as we now have recapped all of college football. Now it is time, folks. Let's get into it. Oh, Oh, my God. What? You know, I for me, I don't get many Sundays off. I'll tell you this right now, folks. So when I do watch Sunday football, I recap, I I, I rewatch all the games. I sit around on Monday afternoon, evening, look at all the stat, box scores, the stat lines. I watch highlights. I recap everything, and I talk about it. What. This past Sunday, I got a chance to watch my Lions. Our secondary sucks. Oh, it, 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 this game on Sunday was just an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. I had so much hope in this game. Being up 24-14 to 14, at the end of the third quarter, I said to myself, oh, we have a chance to beat Minnesota. And this, these two teams are the only two teams that could give Green Bay a run for the money this upcoming season. They're going to give Green Bay a run for the money. The Lions looked tremendously good, tremendously good. They jumped out to the early 7-0 lead. Jamal Williams, you know, and and the defense was reading it, reading it well. I mean, we were up 14-0 halfway through the first first half. But then they let Minnesota back into the game. And somehow, someway, it's 14-14 at halftime. Now in the third quarter, you know, the the Lions jumped out to that big lead. A 10-point lead. A 10-point lead. And then Madison makes it a three-point game. I said to myself, okay, all we need is to get in field goal range, get something happen. They go for it on a fourth down play. And um, they fail. Giving the Vikings the opportunity to go down the field. Possibly kick a tying field goal. But no, they go for the win. And with 45 seconds left to go. KJ Osborne gets the pass from Kirk Cousins. It's 28-24. And, all right, I said to myself, all right. We have Jared Goff. We'll take it down the field. We'll get into into the range where he can throw a deep pass. And maybe, just maybe, we can win this football game. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. Gets it away on a third down and just heaved it up with 45 seconds left. And it's picked off. In the house. This is on my wedding anniversary day, by the way, on Sunday. I watched the game. I was get I was fully dressed, ready to go out and watch the end of the game. I went up into the bathroom, shut the door, and I sat and cried. And I was screaming, I was hollering. It's like why? Why do I inherit these teams? Why? Why do I love watching the Lions? I love watching the Lions. And every freaking year they break my heart. They put the false mirage after the great performance they had against Washington last week. The, the somewhat good performance against Philadelphia coming back. I thought maybe we have some momentum. I'm just going to say it again, and I will keep repeating this, that the Ford family needs to sell the assets of this team to somebody that actually wants to talk and care about football and wants a football mind. Not using this team as a hobby or to just to carry on their father's name over this. Because this is becoming atrocious. This is terrible to see. Every freaking week, I have to sit here on this airway and talk about this team. Whether it be the greatness that they were last week against Washington, or or the patheticness that they had in their terrible defensive calling in this series against Minnesota. That's why you draft good players. That's why you go out and... And buy good defensive players. And what does the Ford family do? They treat this team like it's a damn hobby. They treat it like it's a damn hobby. They do. They treat it like it's a goddamn hobby. And I can't stand that. Get some people that want to invest in this team. Whether it be the Illages, Whether it be, you know, I, I don't know, the, the Chrysler family. Chrysler. Whether it be, how put the casinos in there. I don't care. The Illages is the big one for me. If they could get the Lions then they all they own the entertainment and i know you're going to say well that's just a monopoly and all that they can jack up the prices and everything like that sure maybe they want to invest in this team maybe they want this team to succeed if it's good for the lions it's good for the red wings if it's good for the red wings it's good for the pistons if it's good for the pistons it's good for the tigers if it's good for the tigers it's good for the lions Get everything flowing together I ask you the Ford family as Lions fans to please sell your assets to this team so we could get some real football mind in this team I'm gonna take a drink because of that Jared Goff was 25 for 41 for 277 yards One TD, one interceptions, QBR rating of 73.1. Williams, 20 carries for 87 yards, two TDs. DeAndre Swift, seven carries for 31 yards. Uh, Reynolds, six catches for 96 yards. Amat St. Brown, six catches, 73 yards. TJ Hawkinson, three catches, 18 yards, one TD. Williams, two catches, 20 yards, one TD in the game. For Minnesota in the game, Kirk Cousins was 24 for 41 for two TDs in the game a total of 260 yards, QBR rating of 41.6. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 17 carries for 96 yards, 1 TD. Matheson, 7 carries, 28 yards, 1 TD as well. Osborne, 5 catches, 73 yards, 1 TD. Teenen 6 catches, 61 yards, 1 TD in the game. The overall stats look like this. The Lions had 23 first downs to Minnesota's 30. On third down, the Lions were 3-for-16. Minnesota, 2-for-19. On fourth down, the Lions were 4-for-6 on fourth down conversions. They were doing pretty well until the fourth quarter. Minnesota was 1-for-2. Minnesota had 373 total yards of offense, 250 through the air, 123 on the ground. The Lions had 416 total yards of offense, 277 through the air, 139 on the ground. Detroit had seven penalties for 59 yards. Minnesota, three penalties for 15 yards. Both teams turned the football over once. The Lions had 34 minutes and four seconds in time of possession. The Vikings, 25 minutes and 56 seconds. The Lions now go to one and two. The Vikings, with their win, go to two and one. So, it's not going to get it easier for the Lions. It's not going to get any easier. But we do have some positives. That's the Browns. Rebound from the absolute collapse that they had against the New York football JETS. Jets, Jets, Jets. And get a big win on Thursday night with a big 29 to 17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. As Amari Cooper jumping out to the early 7-0 lead from Jacoby Brissett, making it a seven nothing lead for the Browns, Najee Harris getting a five yard run, making it 7 7. David Nujoku, a seven yard touchdown pass from Jacoby Percent, making it a 13 7 lead as they missed the extra point. And then Mitchell Trubisky runs it in to get the lead, 14 13 at halftime. The Caden York getting a 34 yard field goal in the third quarter, making a 16 14 game. Chubby Nick Chubb getting a big run, making it a 23 14 lead. Uh, Chris Boswell getting a 34 yard field goal in the fourth quarter. And then Denzel Ward getting the fumble recovery in the end zone with no time left, making it a 29 17 win. The Browns, a huge win as Mitchell Trubisky was 20 for 32. Polish Fry, 207 total yards, no TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating of 56.6%. Najee Harris, 50. 15 carries for 56 yards, one TD. Trubisky two carries for seven yards, one TD. Uh, Johnson Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson, excuse me, eight catches, 84 yards, no TDs. Claypool three catches, 35 yards, no TDs. Harris three catches, five yards, no TDs. For the Browns, Jacoby Brissett a good starting out for him. Twenty after the rebound, 21 for 31. 220 total yards of offense, 2 TDs, no interceptions, a QBR rating of a 69.3. Nick Chubb, he's the best. 23 for 113 total yards, 1 TD. He averaged about 4.9 yards a carry. His longest was 36. Kareem Hunt had the second most. At 12 carries for 47 yards, no TDs in the game. On the receiving court, Amari Cooper, 7 catches, 101 yards 1 TD. Nujoku, 9 catches, 89 yards, 1 TD. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 1 catch, 10 yards. Kareem Hunt was targeted 3 times for 14 yards. The overall team stats looked like this. The Browns had 22 first downs to the Steelers, 20. On 3rd down, the Browns were 6 for 16. The Steelers were 1 for 9. The Browns 3 for 4 on 4th down. The Steelers did not have any first down opportunities so there is that uh total total yards the browns had 376 total yards of offense the sealers 308 205 through the air for the browns 171 on the ground for the browns for the sealers they had 308 like i mentioned total yards of offense 204 through the air 104 on the ground uh cleveland had five penalties for 24 yards Pittsburgh, five penalties, 25 yards overall. The one one fumble for Pittsburgh at the end of the game. 36 minutes and nine seconds was the total possession for the Browns. 23 minutes, 51 seconds for the Steelers. The Browns now 2-1, one, Pittsburgh 1-2. One With that all in mind, let's take a look and recap week three in the National Football League. It's time! It's time to recap week three of the National Football League right here on All Andy Alfred. Whoop. We begin with Thursday night football, and you just heard the recap. It was Jacoby Brissett taking on Polish Wright, Mitchell Trubisky, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Chubb, getting a big win. For the Browns, recapping and beating up after the collapse. The Browns, a 29-17 win on Thursday night. Whoop! We then head to the Sunday slate. It was the Houston, Houston Texans taking on Da Bears and Justin Field. And Da Bears getting a big win over the Houston Texans and leading the NFC North. With a 23-20 win over the Houston Texans. We then head down to Nissan Stadium where it's tight up, baby. As it was Derek Henry. And the Tennessee Titans hosting Derek Carr in the It's gonna win, baby. Las Vegas Raiders. And the Tennessee Titans getting a huge win. Just squeaking by with Derek Henry at the rum. With well, a 24-22 win over the Raiders. Whoop! We then head to the surprise of Sunday as it was Matty Ice, Ryan, <laughs> and the, I'm, pa- against, I'm Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, man. And the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid couldn't find the Waffle House in Indianapolis as Matty Ice, Cruise and beats the Kansas City Chiefs 20 to 17. Whoop! We then head down to the Rock, baby! As it was Trust the process. And Tua to Talayola taking on Josh Allen and the Bills mafia. The Bills make me wanna shout! And they run out of time! My Super Bowl prediction team! The Bills! fall apart late losing to the miami dolphins 21 to 19. it's all about clock management whoop we then head to school school as the minnesota vikings welcome in my detroit lions and kirk cousins capitalizes with 24 with less than a minute to play Getting the key touchdown and Jared Goff throws the pick with 45 seconds left to go in the game sell the team Ford family sell it get rid of it Minnesota 28 24 win Whoop! we then head up to Foxborough as Matt Jones and whoops, bro, Bill Belichick hosts well, I've got a speed that I can't beat Lamar Jackson and I'm better than my brother the hardball and the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens giving Bill Belichick a loss in Foxborough as Lamar a great game 37 26 over New England as Lamar Jackson is doing Lamar Jackson things 18 for 29 for 218 total yards, four TDs, one interception as it was the Baltimore Ravens a 37 26 win. Over the New England Patriots Whoop! We then head out to the Meadowlands As it was the J-E-T-S Jets 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 Welcoming in I'm Joe Burrow The AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals In the Meadowlands And the Bengals jumping out Rebounding from the terrible loss That they had Getting their first win of the season As Burrow Cool hand Burrow 23 for 36 for 275 yards. Three TDs. QBR rating of 57.9. Getting a big win. 27-12 over the J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. Whoop. We then head to the NFC East as it was the Fly Eagles Fly to on Carson wins. And the Commanders and the Eagles striking down the Commanders by a score of 24-8. Jalen Hurts, a beautiful game. As it was, Jalen Hurts, 22 for 35 for 304 yards of total offense. Three TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating of an 85.8. As it was the Eagles' 24-8 win over the Commanders. Whoop! We then head to the uh, one other early game as it was, I'm making the turnovers. I'm Baker Mayfield. And trust Progressive Insurance taking on I look the look the W, Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints and Baker gets his first win as a Panther, defeating the Saints. Winston picked off twice in late in the game, and the Carolina Panthers a 22 to 14 win over the New Orleans Saints. Whoop! We then head to the Sunday late games. As it was, I'm Trevor Lawrence. Touchdown, Jesus. Taking on Herbert. And the Los Angeles Chargers. And Trevor Lawrence, a routing over over an ailing Herbert. Trevor Lawrence snapping. An 18-game losing road streak in this game. He was tremendous at 28 for 39 for 262 yards. Three TDs as it was the Jaguars who are now 2-1 with a 38-10 win over the Chargers. Whoop! And we go up to, down to, I'm Kyle Murray. I'm the child. The Arizona Cardinals walking in the defending, reigning, defending Super Bowl champion, LA Rams and the Rams led by Matthew Stafford cruised to a 20-12 win over the Cardinals whoop the other late game of course was Atlanta traveling to Geno time the Seattle Seahawks and it was Marcus Mariota surprising everybody with a 27-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks whoop We then head to the primetime game, Fox's Game of the Week. As it was, I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I, would you like some hallucinates? Taking on, gotta trust the TB12 process, Tampa Bay took on the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers gets the better of Tom Brady as Rodgers throws for two TD passes. His overall was 27 for 35 for 255 total yards two TDs, one interception, QBR rating of a 71.9 for Tampa Tom. He was 31 for 42 for 271 total yards, one TD, QBR rating of a 55.7 as the Bucs fall for the first time this season by a score of 14-12. to 12. Green Bay getting into the win. Whoop! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC. What a trash game between the Broncos and the Niners. As it was Russell Wilson welcoming Jimmy Garoppolo in prime time. This game was a dumpster fire. As it was the Broncos getting the better of the the 49ers by a score of 11 to 10. Say that again. 11 to 10. As Wilson in the game. Was 20 for 33 for 184 yards. Garoppolo, 18 for 29 for 211 yards. One TD, one interception. We then head to Monday Night Football. As it was the German. With Mr. Martindale. Hosting, are you still them boys? The Daklas, Dallas Cowboys. Took on the G-men and Mr. Cooper Rush. With a beautiful one-handed grab by CeeDee Lamb. Gives the Dallas Cowboys a huge win. Getting them to 2-1 with a 23-16 win over the New York football Giants. And that is week three in the National Football League. We now head into Week Four, which will start Thursday night. This upcoming Thursday night on Prime Video, as it
2: is
0: Tua Tagovailoa taking on Joey Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in a wideout out at Paul Brown Stadium. Dolphins three and zero, Bengals one and two. Cincinnati a four-point favorite in this game. I'm gonna take the Dolphins. I'm taking the Dolphins. And for something unprecedented right now, let's take a look at Week 4 Slate and hear my predictions for this week in the National Football League. So now let's take a look at Week Four's slate of games like you just heard. It is the Dolphins taking on the Bengals. I'm taking the Dolphins in the game on Thursday night uh sunday's afternoon slate looks like this minnesota travels to new orleans actually they'll be playing this game in london 9 30 a.m kickoff on nfl network minnesota a two and a half point favorite i am taking the vikings in that game let's take a look at the rest of the sunday slate washington travels to dallas to take on the cowboys dallas a three-point favorite i am taking the cowboys in that game one o'clock kick sees Tennessee going to Houston, going to Indianapolis to battle the Colts. Indianapolis a three-point favorite in the game. I am going to take the Colts in that game. I think they get to the better of, of Tennessee in that one. The Daw Bears travel to the Dreamers. One o'clock kick on Fox. Both teams 2-1. New York a three-point favorite in this game. I'm going to give the edge to the Giants. I'm going to take the Giants in that game one o'clock kick sees the Jaguars led by Trevor Lawrence taking on the Philadelphia Eagles the Eagles are 3-0 and Jaguars 2-1 and this is going to be a good game I think in my opinion Philadelphia six and a half point favorite I'm going to take the Eagles in that game one o'clock sit, kick sees the Jets traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers one o'clock kick Pittsburgh three and a half point favorite in this game I'm going to take Pittsburgh in that game Buffalo travels to Baltimore One o'clock kick on CBS. Buffalo, three-point favorite over the Ravens. I'm going to take Buffalo in that game. One o'clock kick looks like this. It will be the Chargers of L.A. travel to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. The Chargers, a five-point favorite. I will take the Chargers, which then sets up the two local teams for one o'clock kicks. We'll start with the Browns. The Browns, two and one. We'll take on the Atlanta Falcons, who are 1-2. and Cleveland only a a 1.5-point favorite in this game. A game at 1 o'clock on CBS. I'm going to take the Browns in that game. Which then sits at the 1 o'clock kick, as it will be Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, led by Pete Carroll, taking on Jared Goff and Matt Campbell and the Detroit Lions. The Lions 4.5-point favorites in this game. The game on Fox, one o'clock kick. I am taking the Lions in that fair. The four o'clock kicks look like this. Arizona travels to Carolina to battle the Panthers. 405 kick. Carolina, one and a half point favorite in this game. I'm taking Carolina. Green Bay hosts the New England Patriots. Four o'clock kick. Uh, 425 kick on CBS. Green Bay, a 10-point favorite. I am taking Green Bay in that game. The Broncos travel out to Vegas the Vegas Raiders are 0-3 Vegas a two and a half point favorite I'm going to take Vegas to get their first win over Russell Wilson and the Broncos which sets up Sunday night football big game it'll be Patty Mahomes Patrick Mahomes taking on Tampa Tom 820 kick on NBC Kansas City a two-point favorite in the game I'm going to actually take Tampa Bay in this game I think Tampa Bay will get the win in this game. But the question is, we don't know if they're actually going to play this game in Tampa because of how bad the hurricane is. So we don't know if they're going to be able to play this week in that game. So keep that in mind. Monday night football, we'll see the LA Rams, the defending Super Bowl champion, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. 8-15 kickoff on ESPN. I'm going to take the Rams to beat. The Rams to beat the 49ers and that is the recap of week three and the picks for week four in the national football league as you're listening to all of the for tonight right here on the anchor network whether it be on itunes spotify google Podcasts, pocket cast bleaker stitcher however you're listening wherever and whenever you're listening thank you so much for tuning in and now it is time to talk a little baseball, of course, as we are heading down the stretch as the Guardians have finally done it. They have won it. They won it the other night on Thursday, on Sunday afternoon. The Guardians are now the American League Central champions with a big 10-4 win over the Texas Rangers as they scored 10 runs on 10 hits, 2 errors. Texas, 4 runs on 6 hits, 3 errors as it was... Cervelli, the win, he goes to 3-6 with a 5.19 ERA. Reagans, the loss, he goes to 0-3 with a 5.14 ERA. As the Guardians getting the huge win over the Texas Rangers. And in that series, by the way, for the Guardians, they swept the series. They have won, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, games. Seven of their last eight, they have won. Since the loss on that on the 18th. They have won 7 of the last 8. Wow. As they are playing a quick 3 game series over Tampa Bay. Right now they are in the extra innings. They just started the extra innings. Tampa and Cleveland tied at 4 apiece. They will play Tampa for 3. And then they will finish up with 5 straight against the Kansas City Royals. By the way tomorrow's slate will be McKenzie. 11-11 and with a 3.04 ERA. They will take on Glass now who will get his first start as the, in the Tampa Bay Rays. And then the concluding game will be Springs nine and four with a two point five six. We'll take on Quintel, who is fourteen and five with a three point four nine ERA on on Thursday evening. And they'll play Kansas City for five straight at Progressive Field. So the Guardians are now the American League Central champions. For the Tigers, the Tigers have actually just game just went final. They played Kansas City for a quick three game series, and they won tonight four to three. The Tigers, a 4-3 win as it was Lang. The win, he goes to 6-4 with a 3.62 ERA. the the loss, he goes to 1-2 with a 4.85. The Tigers, four runs on eight hits, no errors. Kansas City, three runs on eight hits, no errors. Kansas City tomorrow will throw on the bump. Lynch, who is 4-11 with a 5.09 ERA. It will be Matt Manning, who is 2-3 with a 3.43 ERA. 6.40 start time for that one. Thursday, the concluding game, a day game. Helsley 4-8 with a 4.87 ERA. He'll take on Edwin Rodriguez, who's 4-5 with a 4.37 ERA. The Tigers then will play three games against Minnesota Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then four games in Seattle to end the regular season. And then we will start postseason play, and the Tigers will not be playing in the postseason this upcoming season. Uh, for the Reds, the Reds fell tonight by the score of 4-1 to one to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh crow the win he goes to six and ten with a 4.38 era farmer the loss he goes to two and two with a 4.09 era bednar the save his 18th of the season pittsburgh had four runs on seven hits no errors cincinnati one run on six hits two errors in the game hunter green was the starting pitcher for the reds in this one and let me get you really quickly green for the reds went six innings four hits, one run. Nunn earned three walks, 10 strikeouts in his outing tonight. The Reds lost Monday to Pittsburgh 8-3. They're going to lose this series to Pittsburgh, and then they will head to the north side of Chicago for a quick three-game series before returning home to Great America Ballpark to end the regular season with three games against the Cubs. With that all in mind, I want to take a look also. The race for, for Aaron Judge to hit the home run is underway. Tonight, uh, Judge in, is in Toronto looking at Judge's lineup card. He was he had one at bat, two runs, four walks. He was his average is a 314 average. His OPS is a 1.118. So, Judge did not get the home run, but the Yankees did get the win by a score of five to two. And with that win, they have now clinched the American league east championship as they have won the american league east so all the division winners we have all the division winners are set now and looking at that right now it will be houston at the top spot at 101 and 53 the east the yankees at 95 and 59 and the guardians at 86 and 67 the wild card teams are as follows toronto is 87 and 68, two and a half games up at the top spot of the wild card. Tampa, 84 and 69, a half game out. Seattle, 83 and 69. Baltimore is on the out spot at three and a half games out of a wild card spot at 80 and 73. The White Sox, they're two games away from elimination at 76 and 78. Minnesota, 75 and 79. Uh, they're basically out of the wild card spot. In the senior circuit, it is the Dodgers holding the top spot at 106 and 47. Atlanta will Clint has clinched the clinch right now. It's the top spot in the AL East at 97 and 58. St. Louis is 89 and 65. The wild card teams: the Mets at 97 and 58, the Padres at 85 and 68, and the Phillies at set 83 and 70. Milwaukee a game out of a wild card spot at 82 and 71. There's seven games from elimination as well. So. That, that you know, Toronto and Philadelphia is still there. I'm going to still stick with my predictions on that note. Uh, news and notes from around the league. Uh, the big story, of course, is Judge has not hit the home run as of yet. Haneo uh, Suarez has been activated and it will be in the lineup for the Mariners. That's going to be a big key, key piece for them. David Price is coming off the IL, and it looks like it's going to be a, a surprise to me here. Is that um, it looks like David Price has been activated from the 15 day disabled list, and Andre Johnson has been optioned to Triple A Oklahoma. So, there is that for you guys. So, baseball finishing up for us around the corner here as the Tigers. Are finishing up. Uh, by the way, the Mud Hens were eliminated from postseason play the other night. They're eliminated from postseason play, so they are done. Uh, They're playing a quick three-game series in Iowa, so we'll see how that is. They won. They won this afternoon. They'll play their final game tomorrow, and then that will be it. The Mud Hens season is officially done. So bring on Toledo Wall Eye Hockey for us. And speaking of hockey, this is your home for. All things Columbus Blue Jacket here in the Northwest Ohio spectrum. This is all Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk a little hockey. Let's talk about our jackets. The jackets were on the ice on Sunday for a double dip against the hated Pittsburgh Penguins. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's, it's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. And so for the first time this season, it's time for the latest Jackets report right here on All Andy the for tonight. And we will start off with what happened this past weekend as it was a double dip in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as the Jackets took on the, the Pittsburgh Penguins at PBG Place Arena, a, slate, a, a roster that was, you know, not fully, like, full of the everyday players. And we'll get to why I say that here in just a second. But it was a good play. Good set. As James Neal led off the scoring for the Jackets, getting his a uh, power play goal at the 325 mark of the of the second period, as both teams did not score in the first. And it was 1-0 Columbus. that for Pittsburgh, getting his first of the season from Gronin and Devon tying the game at one apiece. But then Nick Blackburn getting his first with Makedo and Vosk. At the the twelve twenty seven mark of the second period, making it a 2-1 game. And after 40 minutes, the Jackets were leading 2-1. Uh, Alvarezki getting his first of the season for Perla and Perduskin at the 19-05 mark of the third period. Tying the game, forcing overtime, and then Zucker getting his overtime goal for Pittsburgh. And the Penguins beat the Jackets in the first game of the preseason for the Jackets by a score of 3-2 in overtime. Shots on goal was led by the Pittsburgh Penguins at 34 shots on net to Columbus's 28. Pittsburgh Columbus led in the faceoff dot 52% to Pittsburgh's 48%. Columbus was two for three on the power play. Pittsburgh was over two. Columbus had nine minutes in penalties. Pittsburgh had 11 minutes in penalties. Pittsburgh out hit the Jackets 43 to 30, 32. They out blocked the Jackets 18 to 16. Jackets had five giveaways to Pittsburgh's six. And the Penguins had 10 takeaways to Columbus's five takeaways in the game for the Jackets. In goal was uh, both goaltenders made a stop, Kijan and Lelone both for Pitt, for Columbus. And then for Pittsburgh, it was the Smith and Lindbergh for the Penguins. So I'm, I'm not going to give you all the full stats on it, but it was a split squad game for this one for the game. In Pittsburgh let's take a look at what happened at Nationwide that same night but the big names came out at Nationwide Arena the Jackets getting a big 5-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins at Nationwide Arena as Johnny Gaudreau making his debut with the Jackets getting a big outing he had two assists in the game as the as he led off Columbus led one nothing after the first period putting together a strong effort. Justin Danforth had two goals and an assist, while Jakub Voracek had one goal, two assists for three points, and Gaudreau with three assists for three points. Line A Nyquist also scored as Elvis murzelink could stopped all 20 shots he saw in the 40 minutes that he saw. The Jackets were outshot 13-7 in the first period, but continued on as the Jackets getting a huge win over the Pittsburgh Penguins at Nationwide Arena by score. Of five to one. So the Jackets one and one in preseason play. They'll now welcome in the Buffalo Sabres this upcoming Wednesday at nationwide arena. Uh give you the lineup card really quickly. Four Ohio triple A blue jackets will be on the ice in this game. It'll be Sean Coralie, uh Jack Roslevic, Carson Meyer, and Justin Richards will all be joined. F- up front the How to youngsters of Kent Johnson and Kirill Mikato. So all four of those guys plus Kent Johnson and Mikato. Uh the on the defensive side, the first round pick of David Cherczyk and Denton Matichuk will be in the lineup with Dylan Tarasoff will make his preseason debut as well. Uh so it'll be Corrali, Roberts, uh Luto, Robinson, Benstrom, Trey Fricks, Warinsky, Meyer, Pinto, Mercado Johnson, Voracek, Rosovic. That's the forwards for tomorrow. The defensive pairing will be Peek, Gavrikov, Matichuk, Grubbson, Khrushchev, and Solvic. The goaltenders will be Tarasov and Jet Greaves. So that is the Jackets lineup for tomorrow. Jackets will be having well mixing is going to mix the veterans and the youngsters together. We'll see how it all shakes out. The game tomorrow will be at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on the bluejacket.com or the CBJ app. Or you can listen to it on ninety-seven point one FM with my good friend Bob McKelligan, as well as with Bob McKelligan at the call. So the Jackets a big one and one tie right now. They'll play Buffalo, then they'll head to St. Louis on Thursday, welcome in Washington on Saturday for a wa- for a game with a preseason game again on the third and against Carolina, the sixth against Washington, and they'll finish the final preseason game. On the 8th against Washington. The dress rehearsal for home game. Will be the 6th of October. Against St. Louis. The final dress rehearsal will be. On the 8th against Washington. And then we start the regular season. On October 12th in Carolina. Against the Carolina Hurricanes. So some news and notes from around the. Uh, Brown camp of course too. Is settling in. Goudreau settling in. Uh, and Johnny Gaudreau is on the front cover of the Hockey News, too. Wanted to make mention of that really quickly. So Gaudreau will be on the cover of the Hockey News. We're looking to get a big size picture of that put here in the Man Cave. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out, too. It looks like, the like I said, it looks like it's going to be Line A and Kent Johnson really well together could that be the line that we see for opening night we shall see we shall see uh games that are happening tonight of course we have a couple finals right now to pass along to you uh winnipeg was a winner 5-3 over the ottawa senators it was it's 2-1 st louis middle of the third period 3-3 between the coyotes and stars at the end of the second minnesota's up 5-2 on colorado End of the first, Seattle and Carol, and Calgary are tied at zero. Uh, finals as well, too. Detroit was a winner, 6-2 over Pittsburgh. It was the Devils, a 4-1 win over the Islanders. In overtime, the Bruins, a 3-2 win over the Rangers. Philadelphia falls to so the Sabres, 2-1. And Carolina, a 5-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tomorrow, slate besides the Jackets and Sabres. Montreal is in Toronto, the Battle of the Leafs. Colorado is in Vegas, the Battle of the Knights. The Hawks are in Detroit to battle the Red Wings. Washington's in Philadelphia. Edmonton is in Calgary. Arizona's in Anaheim. San Jose is in L.A. And they have just announced that they will be postponing activities for Tampa Bay and Carolina for the next couple of days while Hurricane Ian makes its landfall. Uh, it looks like they're going to cancel also the Carolina-Florida game as well as the Nashville-Tampa game as well. So our thoughts and prayers, like I said, are with the folks down in Florida for that one. Uh, looks like it's going to be tough sledding for Jonathan Tafferis. He will be out for the start of the season with the lease with an oblique injury. That's not good to see. Uh, looks like Spencer Knight has agreed to a terms for a three-year deal with the Florida Panthers. The terms have not been announced. Uh, Seattle Kraken forward Jacob Marson has been suspended for two games for an illegal high check to Ham- to Hamlin from the Oilers in the preseason game. Uh, let's see here. Also to other news, of course. news. news. Uh, uh, Zdeno Chara will be honored by the Bruins on October 22nd for a ceremonial puck drop. So there's that. And like I said, uh, Lightning Predators preseason game rescheduled ahead of Hurricane Ian. They've canceled that game, and they're canceling the Predators, the Carolina Carolina-Florida game as well tomorrow as well. So there is that. Uh, It's the NHL. It's just right around the corner. Also, got to make mention of this too. If you are in the market for a brand new house, I want you to go see my good friend, of course, Toledo Walleye's own Gordy Meyer. Yes, Gordy Meyer is a Danbury realtor. He got me into this house. This is my good friend Gordy Meyer at Danbury Realties by setting up an appointment over the phone by calling 419-481-7741. Uh, also visit him online at www.gordymyer.danbury.com Or you can follow him on social media at Gordy Myers. He's licensed in both Ohio and Michigan. Visit his office. His Ohio office is in Maumee at 3555 Briarfield Boulevard. Or in the Michigan office at seventy twenty twelve Lewis Avenue in Temperance, Michigan. Gordy Meyer, Danbury Realty. Go visit my friend as he's getting ready for the start of the walleye season this upcoming week. Of course, the big new, one of the big news of the day, of course, is that the walleye will have a special open practice for fans on October eleventh at the Huntington Center. As tonight at the Huntington Center, Greta Van Fleet is playing. At the Huntington Center, the ice is in, so it is good to see that hockey is back in the glass city. As you are listening to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Leaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's hit the links, talk a little golf before we hit to the rant tonight. Uh, it's time to talk a little golf for you guys right here on All the Alford, of course, as the President's Cup took place this past week. As it was, as it was the men's president's cup that took place. As it was the team USA getting the huge win. They win the President's Cup 17.5 to 20.5 as Chef Patrick Kentley and Sky Scheffler. and and Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth all helped out their causes with Colin Morikawa as well, Tony Finau. They did a fantastic job. They bring the cup back to the United States at Coil Hollow this past weekend, winning the President's Cup. So, of course, the next big event for the PGA will be the Sanderson Farms Championship it will be taking place the 29th, which will be this upcoming Thursday to Sunday on ESPN. And then it'll be the Shriners Open. And then we'll get into the back half of the schedule. And then we'll begin the journey yet again. The start of the next season in golf, which will be the QBE shootout, is December 9th to the 11th. And then that is it but we are still into the swing of things in the LPGA as the LPGA continues their march on uh they will continue their tournament plays this upcoming week as they were just they are just getting ready for the, the Ascension LPGA Benefiting Volunteers of America at Colonial this upcoming week round 1 begins on Thursday as it will be a full slate of Players, Paula Kramer, Emma Talley, Stacy Lewis. Of course, Brooke Henderson, Nellie, and Jessica Corda are both playing in this tournament. Yuka Sasso, Brittany Ademeyer, Diana Finkelstein, as well as Brianna Doe, Brianna Shoemaker, as well as a few others, Kelly Tan, all playing in this tournament. There is not that many tournaments left, folks. After this tournament right here, it will be the LPGA Med heel Championship in Samoas, California. And then the BMW Ladies Championship in the Republic of Korea. The Toto Japan Classic, November 3rd for the 6th. Then the Pelican Women's Championship in Belmere, Florida. And then we have the CEE Group Tour Championship, which takes place November 17th through the 20th. And then that is it for the LPGA for the 2021-2022 excuse me the twenty twenty two slate in the l p g a so there's that for you uh, uh there was an interesting uh story that just came across my wire I wanted to share with you guys uh it was uh, a f- story on the l p g about christina kim And uh, christina Kim went public after she made this she made a note she said. In the summer of 2022, LPGA veteran Christina Kim wrote a personal blog post about her experience with depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. It was the first time she went through this went public with her story. After earning her tour card in 2003, Kim became infamous for her bold style, courageous, uh, conti- um, uh, uh, contagious laugh, and outgoing personality on the golf course. In 04 and 05, Kim won two victories on tour and found herself living out her dream as a professional golfer. For the next five years, she remained on the top of her game, but after experiencing injuries in 2010, the California name struggled with her ball striking and began questioning her self-worth and value. The next year, Kim thought about attempting suicide. This, is some, this September, during the National Suicide Prevention Month, Kim shared her story on mental health on the LPGA Drive-On campaign dedicated to celebrating hard work, here, hard work, focus, and tenacity of the women on tour. As Kim enters her 20th year on tour, she explains in her own words how she found the strength and strength in pub- publicly talking about her thoughts of suicide and why mental health remains a daily topic for her. And she said, quote, When I was younger, my mother used to tell me, even in the darkest of nights, there will be the beautiful sunrise. It was only until I was in my darkest nights. That I could finally understand what a, my mother meant. When she uttered those words. Of course it, it could be viewed in very many ways. At the time I thought. Uh, it just meant the world was going to carry on with or without you. But I don't view that way anymore. I look upon it as more. As when you are in the darkest depths. Just remember that, we're, that there will come a time. When things get better. My darkest death came in the spring of 2011. She says. Um, she says. At the national Tournament. A ladies European event in Spain. I struggled on the links. I missed several six foot putts. For par. I couldn't hit the green. My back injury was on the fritz. And my ball striking was was worse. It had ever been. During a practice session after my round, I broke down into tears. I couldn't stop crying. My boyfriend Duncan tried to best comfort me nothing seemed to help I was in the middle of it the moment of brilliance that I experienced early on in my career was becoming more and more rare the last few years I struggled physically on the course and made an impact on me mentally and in that moment I didn't know what was going to happen next that evening during the players party I just wanted to be alone I didn't care about the music food wine and laughter none of it I just wanted to be alone although my thoughts I found myself walking towards the corner balcony on the second floor overlooking the ocean, gazing down and leaning over. Then I was alone with my thoughts. The thoughts about ending it all. The thoughts about stepping over the wall of the building and plummeting two stories into the ocean. In that moment, drowning seemed like my only option. I was so close to the end, I wanted to end it. But when I was trying to be alone with my thoughts, my cell phone kept ringing. It wouldn't stop. Duncan was trying to find me. If it wasn't for him in a fury of calls, that's when, that would have been my last night. So she goes into talking about that, about her mental health. So, um, wow, just unbelievable. unbelievable. So Christina Kim, our thoughts and prayers, you know, as you battle through this. So there is that for you guys tonight right here on All Andy. Elford. It is National Suicide Awareness Month. If you know somebody that's going through a hard time like that, please, please feel free to reach out to them. Tell them that they are loved and they're cared for right here. Remember that. And now it's time for Andy Rants tonight right here on the Anchor Network. So it's now time for Andy Rance. And again, I do apologize for this being a long episode, but with us not doing a show this upcoming Friday, I wanted to get all my football stuff in for you guys so you guys can get ready for the big action-packed week. I'm looking down and seeing my, cat, my me and my wife's cat, Marl, looking at me saying it's time for treats. So it's time for Andy Rance tonight right here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do shows each week right here. On all Andy Alfred as well as find us on our Facebook page like and follow on our Facebook page Um, tonight I wanted to talk about what's been happening uh, in my life and behind behind the scenes Um, if you haven't been noticing we've been doing these shows kind of late at night and I've been posting them up late Um, I'm working on becoming uh, I'm taking RCIA classes and, and trying to become taking the sacrament as well as being confirmed, as well as my first confessions being in the Catholic faith, and and tonight we were learning about about salvation and about Moses and all that, and you know I had a nice conversation with our priest. Uh, I like this class. This is this is really really in depth. I really like going in depth and learning more about the Catholic faith more and more because I am Catholic. I was baptized Catholic. I will be put in the ground as a Catholic. So I love I love the Catholic faith. I love my church, which is Saint Joseph's on Locust. If you ever go to a mass, I recommend the Sunday mass with the with the Latin. But if you want to take it easy, the four thirty the four o'clock mass is the best mass. I think, in my opinion. Um, but uh, the priest, Father Kid, is the head priest. Over at Central Catholic, uh, he and my family are very, very close, and uh, we both know each other we both know each other well through my when my father was sick um, and he is one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. So if you ever get a chance to meet Father Kid, please just reach out to him and say hello because he is a nice, approachable guy and a great person to talk sports with. He's a big Notre Dame fan as well. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're going to talk about a topic that, you know, it's a little a little bit of an issue for me. And that is being run through the ringer. Uh, people and cultures have an expectation in people. Sure, you know, we all have our feelings and our emotions... On things, but respect is key in any situation, whether it be being respectful to a person sharing their opinion on a certain thing that you don't agree with, so that you can judge, not judge a person by what their opinions are, to respecting somebody's work ethic and work, 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 uh, beings, and working hard. Um. If you respect that, then you're earned, you're, you will get an earned respect. And for me, people don't respect people anymore. We're living in a different generation, a different world. And it really bothered me last week to the T, to the last Wednesday. Uh, my wife and I were out and about at a concert at the Toledo Zoo Amphitheater. The artist was the Goo Goo Dolls, with the opening act being Blue October. Now, Blue October's band was pretty much sick, but their lead singer and keyboard and violin player was still available, so they played an acoustic session. Now, let me just tell you about this. The show started at 730 people were rushing to their seats at 7.40, 7.45. My wife and I were sitting in aisle seats. And so we were getting up constantly because people were rushing in to listen to the band. Well, they weren't really listening to the band. People were talking, people being loud, people being arrogant, people being very, very rude and not respecting the artist that was on the stage. So much so that The people that behind us were just, were honestly the most disrespectful that I have ever seen in my entire life. And it's becoming the norm, apparently, for a lot of concerts. I've gone to a couple shows this year, and I've been noticing that. People just like to talk, and like to talk, and like to talk. and Don't give a care about what the artist is on the stage. And to that that end, I should say, shame on you. If you don't want to hear the artist, then step up into the concourse and wait for their set to be done. Go have another beer, go get a hot dog, go get a pretzel, go look at some of the fish in the aquarium, go do something. Because people like myself and my wife were there to listen to Blue October, not to a bunch of, of lesbian haircutted freaks that don't play good music anymore and the Goo Goo Dolls. And in my opinion, I was very, very offended by the people around me. And there were the older generation in their 50s and 60s and 70s, that were just continuously talking during the entire time, were trying to listen to this artist. And we know that he's there, this band is six, so he's playing an acoustic set. It felt like they were sitting in a coffee shop, just constantly talking and talking and talking and talking. I just couldn't take it anymore. We left at the end of his set, and we did not stay for the Goo Goo Dolls, I was very, very upset. I turned to the people that were distracting us behind us, talking I said, thank you for ruining a good evening. And they just looked at me like I was like, like I had the plague or something like that. And then we had, like I said, it was a little darker out at night and there was an elderly woman walking around shining a flashlight in everybody's face trying to find her seats. And... I thought that was very, very rude. Uh, the whole experience, I i was very, very upset. Very, very upset. And, you know, to the ushers that don't do anything at the, at the zoo, it, it, it's shameful. It honestly is shameful. I wish that they would do something better to do something about that. If, you know, I wish it was like a Broadway show. If you ever go to Broadway, once the show starts... They shut the doors and they don't let anybody in. Once you, you know the show starts at 7:30. why do you show up so late? If you don't want to see the opening artist, then come out come to the show later when you know that the show or you get to the show when it starts and if you don't want to see it, hear the opening act, stay upstairs. It's just plain and simple: Be more respectful. Same way with people. People need to be more respectful not treat people like dogs and and treat people like they're they're nothing. We're people. We have feelings. We have emotions. You treat us with respect, you get respect back. That's what I always was taught. And I and I meant everything I said on my Twitter account. Go back and look at it. You got to do better, Toledo. Especially that crowd. That was that was unacceptable, very very unacceptable. I hope this artist I hope blue October does cut back i mean for me i'm I'm probably gonna have to go see them in like Cleveland when it's an intimate setting when it's just them not bunch, not playing with a bunch of of uh, wannabe rock stars that have lesbian haircuts that's just plain and simple and that's Andy Rance tonight. We will be back on the air next Tuesday for another edition of All Andy Alford. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. I really, I, I tried to give you the best I could um, right here. Um, we will be back, like I said, on the air Tuesday. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Alfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlford. So until I talk to you guys again next week, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets. Go Walleye. Go Reds, Tigers, and congratulations, Guardians, on winning the American League Central. Come on, Falcons. Get the big win against Akron. Let's go Notre Dame. Let's go State. Ohio State and Michigan State, even though they lost to Minnesota. And come on, Lions, do something. Win against Geno and go Browns. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. And I will talk to you guys on next Tuesday, which will be the 5th of October 2022. I'll talk to you guys then. I love you guys. And I'll talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You could be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.